Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and Lord, we thank you for your love that you so mercifully and so abundantly pour into our hearts and lives, and Father, we just pray that you would open our spiritual eyes this morning to see you with greater clarity, that you would open our ears to hear your voice speaking to our hearts, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today, and that you would give us fresh insight and revelation into the things that are coming and uh, your word, Lord God, that would come alive and just resonate within us. And Father, we pray that you would uh, just pour into us today in a mighty way. And we pray this prayer with great expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Warrior Youth and Children's Ministry, you're welcome to go back. And uh, I want to uh, again welcome you and thank you for joining us this morning. And I'm so excited about this message today. Over the past several weeks, we've been exploring some of the many signs and warnings that Jesus said would come in the end days. And so these messages are not intended to be a, a doom and gloom, but it's to give us insight because we don't know if the Lord is coming back during our lifetime, but we need to be training and equipping our children. We need to be ready. And so... Uh, Jesus was clear, the word is clear on what the end times will look like. So that's why I've been uh, looking at these, why we've been going through these messages. And, uh, you know, things just seem to be getting crazier. (laughs) I mean, just the insanity of uh, the things that are happening around us. So last week, I unpacked several potential reasons for the hatred and anger that we're seeing toward others. And we know that God is love and God has called us to love others. And uh, so uh, these are just signs, signs of the times, I believe. My first point this morning is really loving each other is a result of our relationship with the Lord. Really, re- to really love one another on this level uh, is a result of our relationship with the Lord. And I've mentioned this to you many times before, but... If you would recite this prayer, I think, this, I think God really honors this prayer. If you would just recite this prayer, just say, Dear Jesus, help me to love others like you love me and you love them. And I think as we pray that prayer, I think God honors that. And God begins to change our heart and our perspective toward others. So in Matthew 24, Jesus is specifically talking about the end times and his return. And we looked at a couple of these scriptures last week, but I want to kind of tie some stuff together here. So let's look at Matthew 24. We'll be going through verse 10 through 31, 36 through 44. But in verse 10, Jesus said, And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Then he says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. Pretty strong words. Um, He goes on to say in verse 21, and he has given us this command, 
those who love God must love their Christian brothers and sisters. And so I looked at this, this, this passage of Scripture, and I did a little bit of a word study. And, you know, when we, when we read this word must, we must love our Christian brothers and sisters. We see, many of us may see that as a command. And it is somewhat of a command. But this word must doesn't mean or equate to a requirement. You know, have you, I, I've said this before, I've said, well, you know, I don't like them very much, but I've got to love them, you know, and, and we think that it's from that context that we must love our brothers and sisters, even those that are difficult. But it's really, this kind of love comes from this relationship where God is transforming our hearts. And, and you know, somebody may say, okay, all right, pastor, you're getting all religious here with this love stuff. No, 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 it's not about that. It's about a transformed heart and life where we really love people, not because we're required to or not because the Word says we've got, we must love one another, but because our hearts are changed and we really do love these other people around us. I think that this is a supernatural transformation that God does in our lives to help us really love people. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. See, from the context of what the Scripture is talking about, we must love them, not because of it's a requirement. It's because we are compelled, because we are driven, because we, we truly love them. Um, I know that all of us have been betrayed. I know that all of us have been hurt. I know that all of us have been stabbed in the back. And you know, we've had some things personally where, you know, people have turned on us and talked about us and stuff like that. And, and we're thinking, all we've done is try to love these people. All we try to do is help them in their marriage, in their family, in their home. And then they go out in the community and then they, they backstab us and talk about us. And, and we're like, what? What have we ever done? And I'm sure that's happened to you too, where you've just loved someone and you've tried to help them or whatever, and then they go out and they talk about you, they talk bad about you, and you're like, what What have I ever done? But see, here's the thing. We need to continue to love those people. And it's only through the presence and the power of God and this transformation that we can love those who talk about us, that we can love those who stab us in the back and do all those things. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here, that we have that kind of love, that we are so connected with Him, that we love people, that we're, we're, we're compelled, we're driven in spite of what they've done and what they've said. So that's what the Scripture is talking about, that we really, really love people. We don't just talk about it, but we go out and live it. We live this love thing out. The Lord is really serious about this love thing. <laughs> so make no mistake, He's serious about this. So my second point is to really love others requires a heart transformation. Let's read on here in Matthew 24. And, and many will turn away from me and betray me and hate each other. I believe that the Lord is bringing exposure to hearts. I believe the Lord is bringing exposure to my heart, to your heart, and He's really uh, bringing some things to light because He really wants us to get this love thing. He really wants us to grow and mature, and He really wants us to love other people. But, you know, I don't always see that reflective in the body of Christ. 
Sometimes the things I see and read are not reflective of what I believe that God has called His people, the church, to live and to be. Racism in the church. Hatred of others in the church. Listen, those things should not be. And, but yet we see those things. Talking about others. Putting them down. Allowing our wounds. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes we filter things through our woundedness, right? And through our hurts. And, and so sometimes people will create division because of their woundedness. And I, I've, I've heard of, well, I know people that have left the church because a pastor has had moral failure. And they probably should leave the church. That church of a pastor's moral failure. Or there's not leadership to hold accountability or whatever. But then I've heard people say, well, you know, what happened with that pastor? I'm never going to church again. Why? You're going to be mad at God because of a man's failure? I've had a bad steak before, but I don't quit eating steak. I've had a rubbery lobster before, but I'm not going to stop eating lobster. And then the other thing that can happen sometimes is somebody can get mad at the pastor, or they get mad at somebody, and they go and talk, and then they, they lead other people away from the church. It happens. And I'm thinking, God is going to take that pretty seriously. I believe. So we need to, to love one another and we need to be coming together in unity. Matthew 18 says, if you've got a problem, go talk to them. Don't go, call, don't go talk to everybody else. But I know that in ministry, our pastor's wife, Marva, said, in ministry you have to have the skin of a rhino and the heart of a dove. And that's true. And even just walking out in the world, even not being in full-time ministry, you still have to love people. That's what God is talking about. Even when they stab you in the back. Even when they talk about you. Even when it's not valid. Or it's not even true. Because there's always two sides to every story, right? And we don't always go around and explain or try to defend. You know what? Let the Lord handle it. Let the Lord take care of it. And so when we have people that are, that are causing problems in our life, you know what the Bible says? Pray for them. Pray for our enemies. Pray for those who curse us. Pray God's blessing over them. And you know what it does? It does something in our hearts, in our lives. Because it's part of this transformation that God is doing that we're not looking at things the same that we used to where we get angry and we want to get vengeful and, and we want to key their car if we see it in a parking lot or whatever. But we love them, even in spite of what's going on. And so when we see these things happening in the world around us, injustice and things like that, maybe even we're treated unjustly, we still need to take it to God and say, God, help me. What can I glean from this situation? How can you help me to love even when I'm not treated fairly, even when I'm not treated right? And I'm not saying <clears throat> for us to be doormats, but I am saying that we, we need to be able to take some stuff as Christians and we, we need to be able to stand strong. So my third point, um, don't think that I'm getting to my end, end of the sermon yet, just because I'm on point three, all right? But my third point is we need to recognize the signs around us. And uh, we, God has given us spiritual discernment. And, and so God will speak to us. We were uh, at a funeral uh, recently, and my wife said, you know, I, didn't, I, I was talking to this person. I could just feel something coming off of them that was not godly. And so God will give us intuition. He will give us insight. 
And so we need to, to take heed and we need to recognize those things. That's why it's so important that we have this relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we hear His small, still voice speaking to us. And when He's saying, you know what, don't get involved in that relationship or be mindful or be praying for them that, that the Lord will break that spirit off of them or whatever's going on with them. And so, the, again, that, that comes from just saying, well, I'm not going to just repel that person because they're mean or, you know, whatever's going on. I'm going to love them. I'm going to pray that they be set free from those things. And so God has given us the privilege and the opportunity and the power of the Holy Spirit and, and His heart to pray for people. Okay, so I'm kind of getting off track here a little bit, but let's go back to Matthew 24, 11. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. And I know we've talked about this uh, the last couple of weeks. But deception comes from buying a lie and or not knowing the truth. So if you buy into a lie, you can go down a path. Or if you don't know the truth, someone may say, well, you know, let's just use this as an example. Someone may say something about Cliff. And you're like... I don't think so. That's not the character that I see demonstrated in his life. I know Cliff. And that's not how he would respond or he, how he would act. You know, so when, when we don't have the truth of the Word of God, we can buy a lie. And I think that's what's going to happen and may even be happening today where people don't know the truth of the Word of God. And so if, if you don't know the truth, you may buy into anything. You may begin to believe everything, but we need to come back to the Word of God and say, does it line up with the Word of God? Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. So deception comes and will continue to come. So we need to be mindful and we need to know the truth and we need to know the Word of God so we can discern if it's a truth or if it's a lie. Let's look at verse 12 in Matthew 24. Jesus is still talking here about the end times. And he says, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. So what is the determining factor here? I think the key is love. That, you know, he's saying sin will be rampant everywhere. Do we see it escalating? I think we do. Do we see the love of people, uh, people's hearts becoming hardened, and, and the love of people growing cold? Oh, I don't care about them. I don't care about this. All I care about is me. It's all about me. And so these are signs of the times. Now, I know people have been selfish all their life for, for thousands of years. We're born selfish, right? <laughs> we come into this world and, and it's all about us. We need, we're hungry. We cry. We get fed. We cry when we need to be changed. Um, you know, some of us still cry when we need something from our wives. No, but we, we're basically born selfish. And so God is trying to do something in our hearts and lives. Um, you know, and here's another thing. If we really loved people, do you think we'd have a greater respect for life and for other people? Would we be killing people if we really love people? Would we be destroying their property? Would we be robbing and looting and all those kinds of things? Again, it goes back to the supernatural love. This is not a natural thing for us to really love people on the level that I'm talking about this morning. It's that supernatural love and that transformation that God is doing in our hearts. And I have to say that I'm so overwhelmed by the love that I feel in this place from all of you. There's something special here in this place. And you know what I'm talking about. When you walk in, you feel the love as we 
connect with one another and we fellowship together. Even with the mask on, you still feel the love because it's here, it's present. Verse 13, But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this word endures means remain behind, stand their ground, endures, preserves. And this can only happen with the power of God in our lives because when tough times come, we need to stand. We need to stand strong. We need to stand till the end. We need to persevere. And so that happens through God's power. Verse 14, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. And so that's one of the reasons that Life Fellowship Ministries International, we support different uh, uh, ministries. Uh, one is in Israel where they're bringing the truth of, of Christ to the Jews and, and Jews are coming into this relationship. And uh, we support other ministries going out and preaching the gospel, helping people come to faith in Christ. And so because of our faithful giving, we're able to do those things. And so we're investing in ministries across the globe where people from other countries are getting saved. And that's part of the good news is that we go, what did, what did Jesus say? Go into all the world. And preach the gospel. Teach these new disciples. Train them and equip them. And so we're doing those kinds of things. Matthew twenty four fifteen. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. The sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. And then it says, reader, pay attention. So... I want to talk about this for a few minutes. There's two times already when this has happened. In 168 B.C., Antichus Epiphanes sacrificed a pig to Zeus on the sacred temple altar. So what Jesus is talking about, Daniel had prophesied many years before, but this had already happened once, and it was probably it was going to happen again uh, a, few, a few years later in A.D. 70, when uh, Titus places an idol on the site of the burned temple after the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 A.D. It's believed that Matthew was written in 60 to 65 A.D. So um, this prophecy of Daniel, I believe, was referring to what happened in 168 B.C. in 70 A.D. And Jesus was telling them these things because it was going to happen again in five or ten years after uh, um, after Matthew was written. And so uh, Matthew is quoting Jesus, of course. And in the end times, the Antichrist will set up an image of himself and order everyone to worship it. So what, Matt, what uh, Daniel has talked about has come to pass, and it's going to come, uh, uh, come to pass again. It may not be in our lifetime, but it will definitely come to pass. Uh, let's look at Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.4. And Paul's writing about the Antichrist. And he says, He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. And so the, Paul is writing about it. There are, there are a number of references to the Antichrist and what's going to happen in the end times when he sets himself up as God. Let's go back to the Matthew twenty four fifteen. The day is coming when you will see 
what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. So again, my first point is really loving each other is a result of our relationship with the Lord. Understanding what the Lord is speaking to us you know, Jesus said the Holy Spirit comes and He will, what, lead you and guide you into all truth. And so as we see these things begin to take place, we need to be praying and saying, God, what's going on here? What do you want me to do about this thing? How do you want me to prepare for this season and this time? The second point is to really love others requires a heart transformation. So are we yielding to God? Are we praying this prayer? Lord, help me to really love others. Even those difficult people. Help me to love them like you love them. Help me to love them like you love me. Because I know I'm a knucklehead sometimes. And I know I can be difficult sometimes. And so Lord, help me to really love people like that. So let's go back here to, uh, really to Daniel. Gabriel the angel gives Daniel insight and understanding of his vision. And I believe that this refers to the end times and the seven years of tribu tribulation that we talked about a few weeks ago. Daniel 9.27. And he says, The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. So remember we talked about a few weeks ago, we talked about pre-tribulation. There are people that believe the Lord is coming back pre-tribulation, before the tribulation period starts. I think the scripture is referring to that, the seven years, because it says, what, in half that time, three and a half years, he will, uh, they will not be allowed to offer sacrifices or offerings, right? So, uh, and I believe that's where the mid-tribbers come in. Remember we talked about mid-tribulation. Those people believe that the Lord will come back at three and a half years into the tribulation period, the three and a half years. And I believe that's when the Antichrist puts it into sacrifices and offerings. So I think that's what this scripture is talking about. And then we have the post-tribulation people who believe that Christians will go through the tribulation period and that the Lord will come at the end of that. So that's called post-trib at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. And you know that we're pan-trib, however it pans out, you know. Uh, I have a feeling, I have an impression on when I think the Lord's coming back. But as we'll read again here, nobody knows. So it doesn't really matter, you know, I don't know. But, but, you can, but what, what I encourage you to do is read the Scriptures. You know, ask the Holy Spirit. What, what are you saying to me? And, and again, uh, Jesus says that nobody knows when, when He's coming back. So I don't know that it really matters. But if you're interested, you know, you, it doesn't hurt to ask the Father. Hey, we ask Him for other things. Lord, I need some help. Will you help me to, to really love others? Will you help me in this situation? So uh, anyway, let's read on here in the, the last half of verse 27 of Daniel 9. He will put an end to, end to the sacrifices and offerings. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, well, Christians no longer... Uh, sacrifice animals or, or anything like that. We know that Jesus came as a final atoning sacrifice. Before Jesus, they did offer sacrifices for their sins. But other pagan religions do. They still uh, bring offerings to Hindu idols and gods and offerings to Buddha. So this, this, 
Scripture is not only talking about Christians, but it's talking about all religions. He's going to stop the sacrifices and the offerings. And the Antichrist will set himself up as God and institute a one-world religion. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians 2.4, and I think this is emphasized, uh, my emphasis here. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. So he's going to defy everything and every object of worship. It doesn't matter if you're Muslim. It doesn't matter if you're Hindu. It doesn't matter if you're Christian. Now, we're not concerned about the other religions, right? But the point is, is that he's going to set up this one world religion and everybody, everybody's going to have to submit. Uh, well, we don't have to submit. And we won't submit to that as Christians. But it doesn't just impact Christians. It impacts Muslims, Hindus, everything that people call God. And he's going to claim that he's God. And the Lord is warning us. And we have, even greater, we have the Holy Spirit to lead us and say, hey, this is going on. Take note. Take note. Let's look at uh, Daniel 9.27. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to his terrible deeds, there's more here, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. And so the Lord is giving us, and Daniel, through Daniel, he's giving us some insight into what's going to happen. And so when it happens, we should not be surprised. But listen, if we're not aware of what the Bible tells us and teaches us, if we're not training uh, our children, and I'm not proposing that we necessarily get into this level of, of conversation with them at five years old, but, but as they're growing up, we can begin to help them understand that there is going to come a time in our lifetime, in their lifetime, in their children's lifetime, where this is going to come into play. And, and we need them to be aware because... Again, this deception is just deceiving. You know, people are buying this thing hook, line, and sinker. That was, that was a great line, wasn't it? This deception is deceiving. Uh, yeah, that was brilliant. Man, somebody ought to tweet that. Uh, but Daniel uh, has another vision here in, in chapter 12, verse 8 through 13. I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. So I asked, how will all this finally end, my Lord? But he said, Go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. And then he says in verse 10, Many will be purified and cleansed and refined by these trials, but the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. And I was thinking about this. Remember when 911 happened and people started going to church again and, you know, oh, I need to get my life right with the Lord. And then nothing really happened and then people just kind of casually go back to their everyday life. Well, you know, I really don't need to go to church. I really don't need God. You know, everything's good. And, and so through these trials and tribulations, I think there is a purification. There's an exposure of, of what God is doing in our hearts and lives and, and what 
what we're, how we're living this thing out, right? And so God is bringing some. So through the trials, remember James 1, count it all joy, not if, but when you have trials and tribulations, for the testing of your faith, build your patience or perseverance. And when your patience or perseverance is complete, then you are complete, lacking nothing. And so these trials are not designed to destroy us. They're designed to build us up and help us walk in faith and be stronger. And so many will be purified and cleansed and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness. Sinful people sin. Sinners sin. People that don't have a relationship with the Lord are going to continue on. They're going to think, oh, well, this is just normal. And, and it is normal for them, but we know that God has something better. God has something better planned for us than the wickedness that the world accepts as normal. Only those who are wise will know what it means. Where does wisdom come from? It comes from the Lord. And so, we have the, again, we have the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and insight into what's happening. Verse uh, Daniel 12.11 From the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. Do the calculation. That's three and a half years. About 3.6 years, something like that. Um, so again, I believe that this is referring to the, uh, uh, the time of tribulation, the seven-year period. And so Daniel is saying that uh, uh, it will be three and a half years, I believe, into that seven-year period where the Antichrist will set himself up as uh, you know God. And then it says in verse 12, And blessed are those who wait, and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. So, you know, again, a little over three and a half years. Um, verse 13, as, you, as for you, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. So I think what the Lord is telling Daniel, or what the angel is telling Daniel, is that, uh, you know, this don't worry about this, because this is really not for you. This is for the end times. But he's giving him hundreds of years ago insight, and that's why we need to read the Word of God. We need to read the Old Testament. We need to read the New Testament. And there are these connections. Remember, we just read in 2 Thessalonians where Paul is talking about the Antichrist. So as you begin to read, it's like you begin to see the puzzle, the pieces of the puzzle come together. And then as we have the Holy Spirit giving us insight and revelation and understanding into the Word, we can begin to connect the dots because the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us. So as, as the desecration of the temple happened in 168 B.C. and then again in 70 A.D., it will happen again with the Antichrist. We don't know when that's coming. But we know that eventually it will come. Let's go back to Matthew. Jesus is uh, referencing the prophetic word to Daniel. Uh, again, I know I've quoted the scripture, but I'm kind of trying to tie everything together here. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. And so again, Matthew was written probably in 60 to 65 uh, A.D., and so in a few years, they were going to have uh, the Romans were going to come and destroy uh, Jerusalem. And so 
it was probably the, these next scriptures I think could be referring to what uh, Matthew was sharing about the things to come in the next few years. Um, because again, this was five or ten years before um, Rome destroyed Jerusalem. And so in Matthew 24:16, those then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the back uh, on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. So I believe that in Matthew here that he's referring to the things that are about to take place uh, you know, five or ten years later uh, when Rome destroys Jerusalem. And I believe that these next set of scriptures could relate to uh, the, uh, also to 70 A.D., but also beyond that to the end times. Let's look at Matthew 24, 21. For there will be great anguish, there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to, to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Two weeks ago, I talked about um, the false prophet operating the, uh, under the authority of the Antichrist. Remember, I talked about the unholy trinity uh, as Satan setting himself as, as, as like father, comparing himself with Father God. And then the Antichrist would be uh, a counterfeit of Jesus and then the, the prophet would be a counterfeit of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, let me go back because, again, I want to kind of tie this together. If you've been watching these sermons the last three or four weeks, I think you'll make the connection. Revelation thirteen twelve, He exercised the authority of the first beast. Okay, he's talking about the, the false prophet. He exercised the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast, the Antichrist, whose fatal wound had been healed. Verse 13, he did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky, the sky while everyone was watching. And I remember reading some of these scriptures years ago when I was younger, before they had the internet. And I thought, how is that going to happen? How is everyone going to be able to see this happen? Well, I think it could happen now. We have YouTube. We have Facebook Live. We have cameras everywhere. We have access to see something on the other side of the world while it's happening. So I, I think, you know, 50 years ago, I mean, God can do anything. His word is true. So if he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen, right? But now we see that clearly that this thing could happen where it could be on the other side of the world and we could see it. Revelation thirteen fourteen, And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belong 
to this world. So we have the false prophet, the counterfeit Holy Spirit, doing these things under the authority of the Antichrist to what? Deceive many people. Verse 14 continues, He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. He was then permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that everyone refusing to worship it must die. Listen, this is going to be, this is going to be impressive to have this statue begin to speak and demand that people bow down and worship it. So I, I'm not sure if this is an unholy uh, supernatural power or if it's a trick of the enemy. I mean, you can do almost anything with video today. <laughs> You can make something look real that's not real. So I don't know how it's going to play out. And, and, and don't be tricked. I mean, the enemy has power. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy and, and deceive. He is the father of lies. He is a deceiver. And so when we, when we read these scriptures, we have to realize that this is going to be impressive. And, and people that don't have a relationship with the Lord, I mean, they could buy it hook, line, and sinker. Who but God could do that? I mean, it, this must be God. But let's go back to Matthew twenty-four, twenty-five. Jesus is still speaking here. He's saying, see, I have warned you about this ahead of time. We have the Word of God. We have these prophetic words where we've been warned. And Jesus is saying, listen, take heed. I've warned you about these things ahead of time. Verse 26, so if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go to look. Or, if, or look, if he's hiding here, don't believe it. For as lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. When lightning comes. Okay, let's go back to verse 13. And he did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. Again, the enemy can't create, but he can pervert and he can counterfeit the things that the Lord is doing. And I find it interesting that Jesus says, when I come, this is what you're going to see. You're going to see this fire flash down. But yet we're also seeing where the Antichrist or the false prophet is able to do seemingly the same kind of thing. Do you see how people can be tricked and confused? And they'll be saying, well, you know, this is what Jesus said. And look, this is what I'm doing. It's a counterfeit. It's not the authentic. It's not the real, genuine article. But people are, and people of the world are going to be deceived. And so there are people out here in our lives, and I'm not proposing that you get into a, a discussion about eschatology and the end times and all those kinds of things. But the thing is, are people coming into a relationship with the Lord that are lost? Because if we say we love God, we should love the things that He loves, and those are people. And there are people that are, that, are being, that are going to be tricked and deceived and not know the truth. Matthew 24, 27. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Immediately, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. 
verse 30. And then, at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. And there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. Why are the people mourning? I think because those in the world will realize they have missed it. They've been tricked. They've been deceived. They have missed. Uh, Verse 30 continues, And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He will send out His angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his, His chosen ones from all over the world from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Let's skip down to verse 36. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son Himself. Only the Father knows. So we don't know, but we're giving signs. And Jesus said, listen, I'm I'm giving you some warning. I'm giving you some insight into what's going to happen. And He goes on to say in verse 37, Matthew 24, 37, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them away, swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. So if He were to come today, are you ready? What's your relationship with Him like? Are there some things maybe you need to take care of? (laughs) Maybe you need to go and ask forgiveness from someone. Maybe do you need to extend forgiveness to someone. Maybe do you need to... I don't know. Fill in the blank. So what if He came today? Would you be ready? Understanding this, verse 43, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. It will be like in the days of Noah where people will be partying and they'll be having weddings and they'll be oblivious to what's going on. I don't think that it's because there's nothing going on. I think that they have become so conditioned that they don't even see it anymore. And so we, as Christians, having the Holy Spirit, will recognize the times, will understand the times, and we'll be waiting and ready. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about the ten virgins. Five had oil. Five didn't have enough oil. And oil represents the Holy Spirit in the the Word of God many times. And so I think that's, that's going to be, I think that's another thing that Jesus was trying to say. Be ready. Have your, have oil in your lamps. Have the Holy Spirit in your life. And be ready and be prepared because you're going to need that. The Son of Man will come when least expected. So my first point this morning is, Really loving each other is a result of our relationship with the Lord. And you know, we talk about this all the time. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Him. It's about this relationship. And then the second point is to really love others requires a heart transformation. 
And my third point is we need to recognize the signs of what's going on around us. Will the Lord return in our lifetime? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Nobody knows. But we need to be ready. And here's the other thing. There are people around us that are not ready, that don't have a clue. And whether he comes back again or not, what is their relationship with the Lord like? Do they have a relationship with him? If they were to die tomorrow, would they, would they go to heaven or not? Remember the word that I shared from 5.13.20 at 5 o'clock in the morning. The world as we know it will soon come to an end. And again, I'm praying because I don't know what that means. I don't know the fullness of what that means. But I know that we're seeing the world in, in, in chaos right now. And it could get worse. could get better. could get worse. We could have great revival. That would change the world as we know it today. It could get worse. That could change the world as we know it today. I don't know. But that's why we need to be praying and seeking God and saying, God, what are you saying to me today? And how can I go out and live this thing out? How can I walk in accordance with your will, your purpose, your plan for me? And then how can I share the hope and the love of Christ with others? And it begins with us having a transformed heart and having that level of love. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and you would like to rededicate your life to the Lord or you want to give your life to the Lord. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. Anybody here this morning? I want to go ahead and pray this prayer because there may be somebody watching online. And if that's you, would you just pray this prayer? Just say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and life. And I receive your forgiveness for all the things that I've done, all the sin in my life. And I ask you to just give me a fresh start today, a new beginning today. And I receive your grace, I receive your mercy, I receive your forgiveness, I receive this fresh new start today. And I thank you, Jesus. And then I want to pray one more prayer for anyone that prayed that prayer. I pray that the fire and the power and the Holy Spirit would wash over you, would engulf you, and that as you read the Word of God, as you read the Bible, that it comes alive, and that you begin to recognize, hear and recognize the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and that you begin to just walk in the freedom and the liberty and the love and the grace and the encouragement and the provision and everything that Jesus has for you starting today. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to... I want to congratulate you for this new beginning. The Word says that this is a new day. Old things are gone and new things have begun. And so I pray that prayer for you with great expectation, knowing that God has a purpose and plan for you, a great purpose and plan for you. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Let's take a minute, a couple of minutes, and let's just reflect on this message and, and let's just ask the Lord if there's something else that He would like to say to us this morning. You know, we, we are living in some very difficult times. And I know these messages are kind of hard, but I think they're needed. I think we need to recognize the signs. I think we need to uh, get serious about our relationship with the Lord and, and reaching out to other people that don't really know Him. There, there are a lot of people that know about Jesus, but I wonder how many of those people actually have a relationship with Him. And so these messages are not 
sent to, uh, you know, they're not to scare anybody or freak anybody out. But it's, it's a warning. And uh, we need to take heed because Jesus said, wake up. I'm showing you these things. Take note. So I want to thank you for being here this morning. And uh, let's recite this, this blessing. Um, did you have something to share? Okay. Okay. So let's recite this blessing. If you'll stand and let's bless one another. Uh, if you'll recite this with me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. And I want to challenge you as always, go out and live it! We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it!